Well, let's open in prayer. Father, we just thank you that we're bringing the different guys that we have here and the ones who are staying home. Just be with them. We do particularly lift up John uh, and Taffy, Lord, um, for all that they just go through in their faith. Um, It's just been a rock for them and for so many others. And we just pray that you will continue to heal them and forgive and just that you'll be with us tonight as, as we, again, open your word, um, this word that is living and active through the power of your spirit. Um, may we personally encounter you tonight, hear your voice spoken to us, um, and spoken to the church. Uh, so just guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Um, so, opening question, and then we're going to read John 14, um, because we're going into this whole section, which I think I said it last week, but 14 through 16 is the most concentrated section of holy of the Holy Spirit within Scripture, especially the Gospels. So we learn a whole lot um, just in these couple chapters about the Holy Spirit and its role. We start talking about that last night. Last, um, last week. But so, question for you guys. When you hear, I, I'm curious, when you hear, not thinking about so much last week, if you hear last week, but when you hear Holy Spirit or your experience in hearing that word or how it's used, what what comes to your mind? What, um, yeah, what comes to your mind as to when you've heard that word, that Holy Spirit? Um, what have you been taught? What have you, what's your experience with it? Just peace. Peace? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's my connection to God. So when you think Holy Spirit, you think That's the my path. connection to God? Yeah. Okay. All right. Helper. That's why I connect. I need a lot of help. <laughs> what else? What do you guys, what do you think, Pete? And you? Most of call me, but I can call on you. <laughs> the third person of the Trinity. Okay. Anybody else? What do you guys just think? And it could be like, you don't know, or nothing, or what have you heard from other people, or just sort of your thought when you hear that? Um, guidance. Okay. Uh, it's a, when you hear that knock, it says, hey, dummy. Hmm. I was going to say that, actually. I was going to say that inner truth that everybody should have, minus distractions, mm-hmm. that guides you on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Do you... How do you experience that? When you know something's wrong that you, you haven't really... I'd have to think about it, but it, it's uh-huh. just... that innate feeling that you know that something's off or wrong. Mm. Sort of like what maybe Glenn was saying with a conviction type thing. Exactly. 
I think it's also, for me, it's guidance. I've learned not guidance, but it's like my, you have a gut feel. Mm-hmm. Because I've had gut feels where, no, I shouldn't go that way. And I, I don't go that way. Alignment yeah. with the Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And setting aside the, <clears throat> the feeling part, I've heard someone describe it one time as, God being <clears throat> distant, or like, think of God in the Old Testament, right? God, like, in the pillar of fire, or in the cloud, or in something, right? Like, <clears throat> up on the mountain, and then it comes to, like, Jesus, and Jesus, like, close to you, and you just can't stop touching people, and, like, being present, and then, like, finally, like, the, the Holy Spirit, like, fills us, like, it's inside of us, like, the closeness of, like, God just constantly, like, seeking after you, and getting closer and closer and closer. It's just, like, a really beautiful, like, thought to me, of, like, uh-huh. God wanting to get, draw so close to us and be, like, Inside of us in that way. Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? <coughs> my, All right. go, my go-to no. place when I run out of ideas. <laughs> when you, <laughs> and meaning what? Like, what do you... Um... Well, when I come up against a dilemma and have to make a decision. Uh-huh. And um, want to be in His will, so um, it causes me to stop and reflect and, and try and put personal distractions away and listen for His voice. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy because <laughs> we had a lot of noise going on between these two ears. How do you di- How do you guys? How would you say you differentiate? Because you could talk to like a not a believer and they could say, well, I get an intuitive feeling or I get a gut feeling or, I mean, how would yeah, you what describe, makes yeah, what makes it so special? Yeah, what makes it different is there, how do you, how would you describe to someone, to anybody here really, I'm not sure you, but just describe that, is there a difference? Um, what is that difference? How do you, how do you know this is the spirit talking to you versus just my, that feeling or my whatever. I think he talks to us through our conscience. Okay, so, so part of it is, yeah. And, and I think that, we talked about it last week a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And basically, you know, we have a pretty good idea about right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And so um, God reinforces the right side of conscience. We've joked about it in the past in this room how when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, usually it's what you don't want to hear. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. No, that's good. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Because so would it be something that comes naturally, like almost like... Because our flesh, world flesh and the devil want to go that way. Uh-huh. And the Holy Spirit will knock and, and you know, it may even ask you to do something. Mm-hmm. And your flesh doesn't want to do it. Yeah. And that's how you kind of know. And, and then the conscience kicks in and goes, yeah, you really should do that. You know, you start reasoning with yourself. And mm-hmm. If you're a Christian, you you know what that knock is. I, I, interesting, you know, I wonder what a non-Christian would, if the Holy Spirit speaks to a non-Christian, and he probably does, mm-hmm. you know, that guy doesn't have the same framework. So he's he's not going to really know what that where that voice is coming from, and, and his conscience won't be as attuned. When I was at the retreat, 
<clears throat> I did a lot of reading out of my Finding Sanctuary book. And the one thing hit me so hard, I memorized it, and it goes like this. Conscience and feelings are not the same. Conscience is the inner process that enables you to hear voices other than your own personal desires. So, so much of life is all about me and what I think and what, where I'm going and all the rest of that. And the hard part is having empathy for those around you, um, especially I'm finding it with my wife, is spending a lot more time listening to her now and um, listening to what she's saying and how she says it instead of um, and not listening. So I think that it, conscience is... Basically, it widens your ability to have empathy for those around you. And the more empathy you can have, the more you can connect. And that's what Christ came for, is to reestablish connection and relationship. Wives do remind you that. Yes, they do. I was just thinking, you said that... Uh, so yours, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, my wife. Yes. <laughs> That's your conscience. That's right. <laughs> I, th I, think, I think when you get married, the Holy Spirit comes into your wife to <laughs> And I mean that actually seriously. I think there is a whole huge thing about that. There. Well, he does say he's going to give us a helper, right? <laughs> I don't need any help. <laughs> change the subject. Yeah. Yeah, the problem is they, guys, was, they you, mostly are right. You guys do remember, he court records all this. Oh. <laughs> Help only when you want it. <laughs> oh, dear. There was a guy here, used to be in our church, who would have said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. You know, and it all came from one of the other guys saying, what got you to stop drinking? He was a real heavy drinker as a kid. He said, I was in the shower. And the Holy Spirit said, you need to stop drinking. So he did. And some people definitely have that encounter. Yeah. yeah. One of my, someone I knew, actually the sister of someone who I taught um, with and worked for me up in the Bay Area when I was a pastor um, up there. Um, sister, um, I mean, she was on she was on meth and just the real bad drugs, and meth is very hard to get off of. And she, when she became a Christian, literally, it was like the day she became a Christian, God just said stop, and she just she was yeah, she did. but just just instantly stopped, which for meth and that type of stuff is not easy. She just never done it ever again. Um, and now works in church, but um, yeah. I mean, he was real clear about saying, you know, I was in a room all by myself, and it wasn't a feeling, and it wasn't something I think I heard. So I heard a real clear, audible voice. Yeah. 
Well, that brings up another path. You know, how many of you, at one time or another, distinctly know God spoke to you about something? I mean, no doubt in your mind. Asking us? Yeah. I don't know. I'm asking Greg's permission for the answer. You had, don't go ahead. Ask, ask the, you just asked a question. Yeah. Sometimes when the sun comes in like this, it's just spectacular. Yeah, yeah. And you get the sunset. And I just got a glimpse of it. It's beautiful. We'll go walk outside. After all this fog and clouds. Oh, I know. It's been horrible. Yeah, I have. I have. I went off 2016 and I was driving an old beat up Volkswagen and <laughs> we were trying to pick up a girl and she's, she looked at my car and she said no. I just kind of put the two together. I thought I need a better car. <laughs> so that's, all better that's all flat. So I, I got on uh, Craigslist and I found this just exactly what I wanted, this car I have now. And a kid was selling it real nearby, Mission Viejo, and, and I went up and bought it, and I was driving it home. You know, it's a used car, but it's a pretty cool car. And, and I said to, to the Lord, I said, I don't deserve this. And he said, I you're right. <laughs> and it was followed up by what I was saying earlier, when you hear something you don't want to do, he said, now take care of your sister. Enjoy the car. Take care take, of your sister. Yeah, what are you doing today, Tom? Still taking care take, of your sister. Take care of your sister. Yeah. Hmm. You heard, you, you listened, you heard, and you obeyed. Yeah. Yeah. It's very clear. I mean, when it, 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 we talk about this in here, too, when you hear from not only can I don't want to do it, but it's something that you would have never thought of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can, often yeah. we have a conversation with ourselves. <clears throat> And it's in a it's in a certain pen, you know. It's like it's got ramp boundaries. <laughs> that was like out of left field, and that that's the way they are. They're out of left field. For I, I think for others, but certainly for me. Yes. Yeah, so speaking of that, <clears throat> it's a long story, but um, my my wife's mother, so my mother-in-law, we were at church. Big story, but we were praying for her to get healed. She had she. Um, Broken both of her hips probably within the past, in, within the previous like 10 years or something. She had a lot of pain in one of her hips, her right hip, and she couldn't walk very well. And we're praying for a lot of things, including her salvation, but her for her hip. And um, after church, went to the parking lot. There was a butterfly on on our car, and I wanted to show the kids. So we, we had kids, this was probably four years ago. I showed the kids, and I threw it up. It flew around. It landed on my mother-in-law's hip, where where it was hurting, and there was just this sense of joy. Right, everybody was laughing. So it was like our nieces, my kids. My just so like I know where they all started just laughing. Like, yeah, it started huh. laughing like hysterically. Like it was like it was just like joy. Right, huh. in the parking lot, and um, and then and I said. When the butterfly flies away, your pain will be gone. But like Tom was saying, he's like, why would I say that? That's you know. That's, it's, you said that. I said it, but like through the spirit, I said it because I wouldn't have thought of saying that. And then the butterfly flew away, 
and her pain was gone and it never came back. <laughs> yeah. When that when that occurred to you, what did you? Was there a thought of like I shouldn't say this? Like I would be like, that guy. Like, no, not, like I would. No, I would, it like I would, just it just came out. There's no. And way. I was thinking like, like uh, that was weird. You know, like, <laughs> I just thought like whoa. And, oh wow. Yeah, and it flew away, and she she kind of started like jumping around and walking quickly. And, uh, I was like it's gone, and then I would I would check up with her periodically. Your pain, you know, and the pain returned. And it, like had. Never return. I could use you around my house. That was the spirit, of course. Go look for those butterflies. <laughs> yeah. Huh. I have a story. Um, I was going to a, a fairly young church, and we were meeting in uh, the school down South Laguna there in the auditorium. And um, God spoke to me and said, you need to go and talk to the pastor. And I said, what do you want me to say? Tell him to cease and desist or I will destroy you. <laughs> I go, shit, I'm not going to go to the pastor and tell him that. <laughs> you and spoke back to God and said that? No, I didn't use that language. <laughs> I was more polite. <laughs> and I thought, you know, um, but it was unmistakable. Mm. And I thought, should I do this or not? You know, and I thought, so the, the thought didn't go away. It became more and more profound. So I called him up, and I took my wife. I talked to my wife, my former wife, and we talked it over, and she says, if you hear from God, you've got to do what he says. So I got convicted and called him up, and we went into his office, and I said, um, I have a message for you. And he says, oh, what's that? I said, the message is, cease and desist of what you're doing, or I will destroy you. And he got real quiet, and um, he said, well, a lot of us get messages, you know, and it's... Within three months, the, Troy, the church stopped, and it turned out he and his wife were using all the donations for new cars and buying houses and clothes and trips. And it got found out, and the church was destroyed. You gave him a chance. God gave him a chance. No, I delivered a message. I know, but see, it was all I was now. To do. Yeah, yeah. So you had he gave him advance warning. That's interesting. So, um, but I I went very hesitantly, and I was scared that he was going to jump up and throw me out. So and he just kind of blew it off, you know. So anyway, he the church stopped and they disappeared. Yeah. I didn't do it. I just I was yeah. the, I was the messenger. Those are good examples. All right. Well, let's open up. Do you do you need do you have do you have your do you know okay. You brought it. Awesome. Okay, why don't we, um, do you 14. need one? Yeah, hey, well, I, yeah. yeah. We're still at 14 <laughs> since you left. <laughs> 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 you haven't missed much. <laughs> All right, um, John 14. And I think because we've sort of done some different things over the last week, um, what I'd like to do is just read all of John 14. Um, and one of the things, um, 
was speaking about the Holy Spirit here, but if you remember when we started out John 14 through 16, I was saying this sort of a challenge to us. In John 14, 1, Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. And obviously he was speaking originally to the disciples that day, that in those days, but that's his word also speaking to us today, saying, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And he ends 16, so this whole section of 14 through 16 is covered in what's called an inclusio. So he starts out in 14 saying, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in me, believe also in Believe in God, believe also in me. And then at the end of 16, on page... 100. 100, thank you. The end of, of this whole section of him speaking is, he says in 33, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And remember... Bruce, you just said peace was one of the things that um, was talked about here. But so, my challenge was think about, and if you haven't done, you can even do it tonight still, is think about something, and I have something that I had written down, about let, you not, let not your hearts be troubled. What is really troubling your heart? Because as we go through this whole section, what Jesus wants to do through here, I would say through the Spirit, is he's speaking to us today. And he's going to go through a whole teaching, and the hope is (laughs) that through the Spirit and through his words, we get to the end of 1633, and we turn those things that have troubled us into, or he has, what has troubled us into peace. Um, That's my challenge, is write that down. Say, what is the thing that most troubles your heart today as we go through this whole section in the next few weeks? You know, listen to listen to Jesus and listen to when you hear the Spirit speaking to you as to how he can bring you that peace. So let's um let's see. Who wants to do the first section of fourteen? I think I'll we'll have someone read fourteen one through fourteen and then someone read fifteen through thirty one. Um, and you, listen, that spirit you guys all just talked about, listen for that as we read through here. Like, what do you, what do you, you hear anything God speaking to you as you hear Jesus talk, say these words? So who wants to do the first section? 14, 1 through 14. I'll go. All right. <clears throat> Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take uh, take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. Um, And you know the way to where I'm going, Thomas said to him. Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would you would have known my father also. From now on, you don't you do not know. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, "Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us." Jesus said to him, "Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? 
Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on, on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. <coughs> All right, let's read the next section. Go ahead. I'll read it. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am the Father, and you in me, and I in you. That I am in my Father, you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot said to him, Lord, how is it that you manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world goes do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, but the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before, it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. No, that's good. We'll oh. stop there. We'll stop there. Yeah, we'll stop You're there. Going to yeah. <clears throat> Is there anything that sort of stuck out for you guys reading this? Yeah, verse 16. Um, it never occurred to me until I was listening to the reading that um, it's conditional. 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comfort. We don't, we don't receive the Holy Spirit, according to this, unless we love 
Jesus and keep his commandments. Mm. Okay. I, I've always been kind of... Verse 22. Jesus said, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus' response to me, he kind of sidesteps the question. He doesn't really... So what's his answer? What, what verse? So 20, 22. 22. So look at that. And so I guess so when you say sidestep, so how is he side, sidestepping that? Well... Good question. Well, just, welcome yeah. to my brain. And, and, <laughs> and again, we're reading this with hindsight. And right, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm doubting Thomas for another six chapters. That's you go for it. Okay, that's six chapters. Yeah. So then you will believe. <laughs> right, correct, correct. But I've often thought about this, and even more so today. At the touch of my phone, I can educate the whole world about something. Let's go back to time here. How many okay. people are in the world? A couple million, maybe? Spread out, with whatever. So, we've talked about how when he was doing his miracles, he wasn't, he spoke in parables. He wasn't clear, but not to say that he wasn't pathetic in his, in his words, but he wasn't, he, it's almost like he did wasn't obvious to, to reach as many people as he, as he could have. He let people choose, mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Judas's question is, is, why are you only telling us, and we understand that, you know, this mm-hmm. is the beginning of the, the apostles and the world. This is where my mind starts working. People die every day, okay? Mm-hmm. So, we are basically on the new covenant at this point. The old covenant. So all those people that are out there who have, you know, how how are people saved if they don't hear about it? And this this is Thursday night, right? This is essentially the, the last supper. That's right. That's right. So very good. I'm sure somebody's dying that that day. People are dying. Are they where where are their souls going if they haven't you could easily say that if there's 2 million people in the world, 1,995,000 of them have never even heard of Jesus. So I guess my question is, is where do those people's souls go that don't know any of this stuff? Am I kind of way out there? Uh, no, you're asking a question. <laughs> if not all of us have asked, I'm sure every people ask all the time. So, um, but I'm, I'm just yeah. curious to know why in that question right there that, that Judas asks, he's, he, he, he doesn't really answer it. I think he does, but he doesn't answer it in the context that you're talking about. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Yeah, like so. If you want, but I want him to answer my context. <laughs> <laughs> well, and well, if you're, I guess, I mean, yeah, you go ahead, Tom. Uh, Judas here is asking him, "How is it that you manifest yourself and not unto the world?" Right. 
And you're saying, yeah, He's only talking to the 12 apostles at this point. Uh, or, or, or it might be, and the other disciples well, around. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, you know, I get your question. I'm just going to answer the way Jesus answers it. I'm just going to rephrase what he says. And I think Jesus answers his question. And he says, in other words, uh, why aren't you manifesting yourself to everybody? And Jesus says, he that loves me, He that loves me, not keeps. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. That's the whole world that we're talking about. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things I have spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. So I think Jesus is saying. I am manifesting myself to the world, but it's really narrow. It's those who get it. It's those who hear his voice that obey him. I, I, and you're saying, well, I'm saying this is, this is, he's revealing this for the first time, so what about all these people who haven't the heard this What about yet? the guy in, in, in Duluth who's dying tomorrow? Yeah, and, and I think previously, and I don't know the scripture, maybe some guys in here do, uh, Someone says, I think it's Jesus. They have the law and the prophets. So they, I'm not coming in here with a, a, a whole new fresh suitcase of spirituality. Just, I get you it. guys should know most of this. Like you said to Nicodemus, you're the leader of Israel and you don't know these yeah, things. Yeah. So it's not like, certainly in Israel, the people were that ignorant of godly things well, and this access is, to God. I have a couple questions when I die to talk to God, and this is one of them. Yeah. It's like, where's the cutoff point between Old Covenant and New Covenant? Because, you know, you're thinking about the time, and, and, and most people couldn't even write, let alone, what's the guy doing on the other side of the world that's living? Is he saved? Is he not? I, these are things that I just... Yeah, I think you're... You can ask the same questions today, too. Yeah, I'm, there's, yeah, no, there's yeah, nothing, there's no difference about then, or some, like, you know, someone in a... In, in well, you're right, but again, like we have hindsight because we have a we have a Bible. No, but I'm saying like someone who's born, they lived for 12 years, they're never around any Christians. There's no, no I mean, take look at look at all the unreached people groups in the world, right? Who have no body of Christ, no Bible, no believers, right? Literally, no one knows their language. What about all those people who have grown through that tribe and and live and die, and are just never like, until someone reaches them, right? I mean, we know that that. That is that is a promise that will be true. Like, what about them? I'm not suggesting the answer. I'm just suggesting the question just extends. It's not it's not a question just for the time. It's a question throughout. You probably can start right here on the street. You could probably go up and down the street. There's probably there might be some people on the street that have never heard this. Believe it or not, there might be. <laughs> um, you know, but so I think so. Separate two, a couple things here. One is you have a great question, which. Scripture does not answer. Well, I, I just don't think he right. answers. I don't think he really answers the question. He well, cites, I, uh, yeah, and, but Jesus often doesn't answer. Huh? Yeah. Jesus is often a oblique. <laughs> I wonder about all those. <laughs> well, that's what I said. We've always we've talked about, you know, him speaking in parables, and it's like the five thousand people at the uh, when he was, you know, a lot of them, well, we've talked about this before. Miracle, the miracles sometimes don't work. People just don't get it. They see it and they just, you know, they, you know, don't believe. Mm -hmm. So, I had a point.
point there. My point is, I don't think he answered the question. Yeah. No. That's fair. Take it up with him, okay? That's all it's... When I read this again last week before before study, I read this question, I had the exact same thought. He really did not answer this question. He kind of like... I wouldn't call it sidestepping, but he just didn't answer the question the way Judas wanted answered, and the way we read the question, it's not being answered. So, it's like, oh well. <laughs> move on to the next verse. But there's not an answer there. I'm just curious what it is. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. it, he did, like, you know, he had to answer. What, what, what is the answer in that question, I guess? Is, is the really, answer is that... Or what is the answer in, in his the, statement? The like, answer is <laughs> in, in context of, I'll call it 12 or 11, and I don't know if what's his name already hung himself at this point um, the people that are sitting around he's basically saying you know if you believe in me you'll be fine but he hasn't he hasn't made himself available to the world right yet. and why yeah. why has he not because he because he's about ready to isn't he yeah of course yeah so I but, mean at this at this point in time you talk about the covenants right yeah I was so just wondering what happens to all you're, these people you're a couple of days away from I guess you could say the new covenant for the people in that localized area. <laughs> no, you but that you have witnessed it, and, and and still people are dying, every, and that's just the you yeah. know, things I think about. What happened to those people? He hasn't, he's died already, but you know the guy in Alexandria doesn't know about it yet because you know it takes weeks for stuff to get there. That's that's the, welcome to that brain. But that's there are no, there are parts of the scriptures. You're right. I mean, these are good is questions. It? I mean, this is what we all this. Yeah. I mean, we do know this from the scriptures is that he loves them. He he loves them. Everybody's been made in his image, and so he's made a pathway. And there is also a design within the heart. To, Again, this is hindsight because we're reading this in scripture yeah. that's already done thousands of years, hundreds right. of years later. Right. And this isn't an answer to what you're asking either. But yesterday uh, there was uh, the daily uh, Bible recap, which everybody did last year, and so some of us are still doing it. And so the little snippet in audio, the person giving us the Bible recap, is talking about David at the end of his life. He's on his deathbed, and uh, he's just near death. He's old, and Solomon has been coronated. He is king. And uh, so the next steps are going to take place. And David is in a place where literally he's, he's like going to die, and he does revenge on some guys during that conflict time. He does revenge and condemns them. He wants them put to death. He, he is dying. And he's condemning others, and it, it's not from a righteous place. And so the commentary is, how is it, here's Jesus born from, born from the line of David. David's had tons of sins in his life, but he is a man after God's own heart. And here, it's like at the very end of his life, there's like this condemnation coming out of him. What about that? And then here in uh, the New Testament, Hebrews, he's part of the, what do you call that? The line of faith. The line of faith. And your question is why after yeah, yeah so get it. like yeah. someone who deserves to perhaps be like blew it again and yet he's in this line of faith and uh for those people there's hearts that are known that we don't know there's things there so here's so I'm switching a little bit okay from what you're asking but what, so what is Jesus' purpose right here at this time? So what is Jesus doing right now 
going back 2,000 years ago, he's got this group of apostles, disciples with him. They believe there's probably more people there than just uh, um, 11 apostles, but there's a group of people there, right? And so he is he is giving to them what we now have. So he's laying the foundation time, for Christianity. Right. So what is his purpose and what he's trying to do? <laughs> if, if you're going back and Jesus, I mean, at that time, what is Jesus trying to do at that time in ta- and even saying this stuff to these people? Why is he doing this? Prepare them for the transition. Okay. Prepare them for the transition. Mm-hmm. All right? Anybody else? And not, not lose heart. Uh, okay, good. V- very good. All right? Yeah. Yeah? But I'm not going to be here, but don't lose heart because mm-hmm. I'm going to send you a helper. Anybody else? I mean, what's he doing at this point? What's, what, well, he's, what? setting up, he's setting up his, his future network to go out. Very good. And, and apostle, yeah, uh, evangelize how you want. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. which if, if you remember how most of them die, you know that they get it. And they didn't care if they were going to die, and they were hung upside down and burned at stakes because right. they firmly believe it six chapters from now. Yeah. And then 2,000 years from now, here we are, in an upper room, (laughs) listening to these same words that Jesus told them. Why are we doing that? Why why are we here even reading this right now? I mean, seriously, why, why, why are we reading this and not... (laughs) <laughs> he gave them the playbook. Uh huh. Which is still going yeah. on. Okay. So as, actually, as the game's still going on. <laughs> well, as we as we read through fourteen, and we had just asked the question, "What does the Holy Spirit do?" And I'm going through like, "Well, this is what the Holy Spirit does." Because I'm reading through, I'm going very like, good, Tom. It's just like going bing, 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 and that's. And what is going bing, bing, bing to you? Well, I mean, it's uh, truth, 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 truth. Like, here's the, it's the playbook. Hmm. I like that. Let's do it. Put it in. Yeah. Well, you think about how many so-called Christians are there, a billion or whatever. So the 12 have now turned into a billion. I would argue that most of them aren't doing what those guys have done. That's continuing the network of, of his message. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what we're supposed to be doing. I was just looking at different translations. This might help. Message. We're just talking about Eugene Peterson today. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. interesting, amazing guy. Uh, Judas Mascarian said, Master, is it, why is it that you are about to make yourself plain to us, but not to the world? Because a loveless world is a sightless world. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him. He will write to the neighborhood. Not loving means, means not keep my word. It's interesting, message makes it as in, like, taking love and saying, like, okay, we need to bring love into into you and into the world. I don't know that that is... I don't know how to, how to think about that, but that's the, I don't know yeah. that that ESV actually makes it super clear here. The message is kind of interesting there. I feel you didn't answer my question. <laughs> I ran into a conversation. I didn't suggest I answered your question. <laughs> well, and what's, what is... Also, we have John 3.16, right? I'm going to go back to the famous verse... Here he's making that distinction. He's talking to the disciples, and he's 
saying that's not happening to the world. So he's sort of divided. He's got, he got the world and he got the disciples, right? The disciples who are following, got the rest, which is the world. But what's going to happen on the cross? We already know. Jesus says in John 3.16, who is he coming for? He's, he's actually coming for this world you're talking about. Correct. Right? Yes. But in some respects, just thought this, it's not really a fair question. <laughs> that, that Judas is asking? Yeah. Because he's been with Jesus for three years. And all he's done is traveled around telling people that I am the way, the truth, and the light. So he's spoken he, in front of thousands of people. But I guess fed thousands of people. Who knows how many. Maybe he was in front of 150,000 people. Maybe more. We don't know. And those people that were there seeing the miracles went ahead and told 10 other people. And they probably told 10 other people. So he actually has manifested himself through the world. So that's I think, why I don't think I it's sometimes a fair question. I, I think, and we've already studied this, that he has already foretold his impending doom to his clan. Correct. And they don't get it. They don't, they no, they don't get, get it. it. But maybe he's asking why, because it sounds like it's getting down to it's coming soon, but there's still a lot of world out there, and he's really only touched on us, you know, handful. They, I, I, I think... Uh, I mean, even going back to where he says, um, I'll be with you a little bit longer, and then and then I'm going away, and where I go, you cannot follow. And then they ask, well, where are you going to go that we can't follow? Right? But it's a question of, like, what are you talking about? And it, and it's it's more helpful to us than it was to them. The answers to these questions are more helpful to us. Side. So, like, they were almost asking these questions by by the Holy Spirit. So that we can receive these answers today, because again, they're more beneficial to us, I guess, now than they were to them then. Um, but at the end of this, it also says that the Holy Spirit will bring bring to your remembrance everything that I've told you, because mm-hmm. it's not helpful to them really yet. Yeah. Only afterwards, as I'm telling you these things ahead of time, so that when they do happen, you'll believe. Because I don't believe now, and I think for them at the time. Uh, the questions are just he's just saying things and they're just like what are you talking about and every now and then they interject and almost just parrot what he's just said I'm going away where are you going right they're almost they're not like intelligent questions almost they're just like uh, showing that that they're not really tracking what he's saying he's telling them the Holy Spirit's bringing it to the remembrance afterwards so they can write it for us and for them to live to live to live it out afterwards as well because they do believe finally once he's once he's resurrected then they then they it seems like they finally get it probably at pentecost you know <laughs> this when it was like uh but um yeah after the resurrection they 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 finally start to understand all these things so i don't think i don't think it i don't think the question was very intentional about being uh, about the world you know about the whole world it was just like uh, where are you going? Why can't we follow you? Type of question. What are you type doing? Question? <laughs> what are you doing? Because yeah, he's just saying these things. And they're just, yeah. they're just, they, they're not getting it. It's going over their head. Um, and at other points, he says, I, "I have much more to tell you, but you can't bear to hear it now." Yeah. I don't know if it's in this part, maybe in a different version. So what? So can I sort of, some words? Yeah. Uh-huh. What do you want? Um, 
I think you're asking, you, you, I think you're saying it's not fair. That, that God has not revealed himself before this time. All those people who are dying right up to this, right? Well, I would I, also argue the same thing don't before, go, before I don't the want first to hear an answer. Too, or I, all those wanna, too. I, I, I want to get your question. Okay. Is that right? So, I was just looking around in concordance, and um, I think this helps. Um, Ezekiel. Uh, 18.25, and there's a few verses, but they're really rich, okay? So listen. In other words, God has revealed himself. And these Jews should have known that. The disciples should have known So here's Ezekiel. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not equal. And put fair in there instead of equal. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not fair. Hear now, house of Israel. Is not my way fair? That's God speaking. Are not your ways the unfair ways? When a righteous man turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and dieth in them, for his iniquity that he hath done, he shall die. In other words, unjust men don't get the spirit, they don't get God. Again, when the wicked man turneth away from his wickedness, Repents, he could say, that he hath committed and doeth that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul alive. This is without Jesus. This is the old way. This is the law. Jesus, I mean, in other words, God's pretty fair. Almost finished. Because he considereth and turneth away from all his transgressions that he hath committed, he shall surely live. He shall not die. Yet saith the house of Israel, the way of the Lord is not equal. O house of Israel, are not my ways equal? Are not your ways the unfair, unequal way? Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, saith the Lord God. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby you have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. There's a new covenant. For why will you die, O house of Israel? In other words, it's their choice. The prophets were telling them. For I have no pleasure. This this is God. This is the great one, and we all know this line. For I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. And there's one other, just one line from Jeremiah that is pretty, pretty, pretty beautiful. And I'll just read uh, the verse ahead of it because it gives it the context. And here the Lord came to me saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive to Judah, whom I have sent out of this place unto the land of the Chaldeans, Babylon, Babylon. For their good, punish them for their good, for I will set my eyes upon them for their good, and I will bring them again to this land, and I will build them and not tear them down, and I will plant them and not pluck them up. And here is the line. This is amazing, I think. And I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. So... The powerful line to me is, and I will give them a heart to know me. It's it's like God brings us in. 
I guess so. All those people in Jerusalem at the time of the upper room, last supper that you're talking about. Oh, how about all those people that just missed this message? Oh, they have all this. And Jesus said that you had the law and the prophets. You were told this in advance. So I would help me out here. Old covenant Jews, everybody else, Gentiles. New covenant Gentiles are now able to be saved, right? Uh-huh. Isn't that kind of, I mean... It That's, was, yeah. It's interesting you mentioned that, because when you were talking earlier, I was thinking of it. There was, this, there was such a thing called the Hellenized Jews. Yeah, who were. They were Greeks. Yeah. Or, or other religions. Or, or others, others, but yeah. primary Hellena, Hellena, Hellen, Hellenistic is Greek. Yeah, yeah. So there are all these synagogues throughout Greece where Paul went and visited. He went and visited those synagogues. And the Greeks, you know, who worship false gods and, you know... Paul talked to them when he went to Athens, all your false gods landing the streets, Zeus and whatnot, Athena. But there were Greeks who got it. So it wasn't just the Jews, even in Old Testament times. In, in fact, going back, I mean, where did Jesus spend most of his time, his ministry? It was not in Jerusalem. It was actually in the Sea of Galilee where you have all these other... You had Gentiles yeah. <laughs> and Jews. Sure. So he was speaking to tell a whole lot. And he was actually teaching out of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's all he had. He had, just like Tom right. said. He's got... That's when he actually rolled out. He rolled out the scroll, and then... Yeah, yeah so there's... You right. could, you know, you could... I mean, doing this somewhat quickly, you could... We can focus on... You know, what about all those people who didn't have it? Yeah, right? I, I, yeah, you can get but also, I guess the other thing on a positive note is what sort of Tom's getting at, if you call it positive, is remember this: all of what you have in Scripture is a plan. God is laying down a plan, and He, at the very beginning, He sinned. Okay, and then what does He end up doing in Genesis 15? He ends up calling one man, and what does He say through that one man? He says, "I'm going to make a nation." And that nation, through that one nation, I'm going to bless the world. And so he already had a plan to say, I want to save the whole world. My focus is on the whole world. and But I'm going to use a man, Abraham, to create a nation who's going to bless the world. That was his intention. As we have through the Old Testament, we have this one nation God chose for himself just keeps failing and failing and failing and failing. It doesn't work. Because ultimately you have to have Jesus who comes and opens that up to the whole world. But back to, so Jew, back to yeah. Judas's question. When he's doing his miracles, he's doing them, I mean, what was his audience? Were they all Jews? Mostly? But, uh, um, like Probably a lot Probably a lot of Jews. Right. But you also could have Gentiles mm-hmm. and stuff too. Would be so so the Samaritan woman. Centurion. But that's a that's a very right. those those are very isolated cases. Like the five thousand people, you, know, um, you just uh, <laughs> yeah. He's thinking, but he was just in Israel where you saw Jesus teach to thousands of people um, the Sermon on the Mount. I'm sure at that Sermon on the Mount in the Sea of Galilee, you have a whole lot of more than okay. just Jews. But anyway. Okay, we'll, we'll sort of move on, but I'll never be able to fully answer your question. I, I don't know. think. That's no, my yeah, number yeah. three question to him. So, um, going back to what I like, what you were saying, Tom, about the playbook, um, and you were saying about the Holy Spirit in here, about what it says the Holy Spirit 
said, if I understood you right, you well, said. Well, I read through it, it just, I just, I'm just trusting that the glimpses I get of the sort of halfway think, oh, I think I get this part. Yeah. This thoughts is coming from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Notice how when I ask all of you, what does the Holy Spirit do, or what's your experience with the Holy Spirit? Well, how many of you, I mean, if you look at what it says, and this is just one place here. So the very first thing, what does it say that the Holy Spirit does? He's a helper. Well, truth. Well, what truth. is he doing? Truth. He, he's giving you the spirit of truth. Where do we find that spirit of truth? In the Bible. In the Bible. Okay. So, and so Jesus and Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." Uh huh. Oh, very good. Yeah. I am the truth. It says. Right. And then he's the way, the truth, and light. He's going to go away though. So who's going to now? Who's going to bring that truth? Holy Spirit, Spirit. The Holy Spirit. But right. I got a question exactly. on that. Uh-huh. So, talk about a question. Um, <laughs> in 26, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, yes. whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Yes. How is that going to happen? That is exactly what did happen. Yeah. So, so notice what, but keep reading. And he will bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. In fact, I think it's sort of a, out of this irony. The very words we're reading right now, we read because the Spirit accomplished what He said He was going to do. Mm. Right? He brought, I mean, we wonder and we go, why do we have all the Scripture? Why do we call this God's Word? It's because ultimately the Spirit did exactly what Jesus said His Spirit was going to do, which is to bring remembrance so we could have this all written down and know that it's the Word of God, that it's the truth that's given by the Spirit. I don't know if that does that answer your question or did well, I that's kind of what occurred to me is is that the Holy Spirit always brings you back to the truth. Yeah, it's the anchor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, as far as how He will teach you all things, that's think of teaching as understanding. So think here yeah. of teaching is not just like I'm a teacher teaching, but I'd say think of teaching like. I get it. <laughs> like, I understand. It's like one thing, you know, it's like I now don't just have some information, but I know what to do with that, you know. And the teaching is, when you don't walk with him, life doesn't go too well. Yeah. But when life goes pretty good, you're hearing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Don't I say something, please? That, uh, I mean, I actually have a personal relationship the Holy Spirit in that somewhere it says you can believe the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so as, as I go, as I make wrong choices, I'll go, oh, man. I actually, can, I can, it's like cheating on the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Like, darn it. Shouldn't have done that. And I go like, okay, it's, it's just as real as can be to me mm-hmm. when I do that. With my conscience, I guess, which is the Holy Spirit, but I feel like I really have grieved him. Like he's really something. So what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit here? That we're reading here in just this chapter. What? It's it's a continuation of the relationship that's not physical. Okay, good. The physical relationship relationship with who? Is is with God and the 
Holy well, Spirit. So, so who is a relationship with? God. Who's a relationship with? Be more specific. With us. I know, but who who are we having the relationship with? What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? To bring us into a relationship with? Christ. Who? Christ. Yeah. Okay. I say that because that, <coughs> when you think about it, that's really the focus of the Spirit. The Spirit never focuses on himself. You notice it says it here. The focus of the Spirit is always to bring us into the presence of Christ, is to have the relationship with Christ. It's the Spirit that gives us that ability to relate with Christ directly. It, you never hear the Spirit saying, have a relationship with me. He's always doing everything to point to everything Jesus said, about who Jesus is. And you see that in the sense of, notice how it says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Who was the first helper? Anybody know? That's right. Do you know where it says that? So here it reveals who Jesus is, in a sense. So, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you, Jesus saying to this, another helper, which means there was an original helper. Anybody know where it says that? Probably <coughs> just Isaiah or Psalms. No. <coughs> First John. First John. Yeah, so First John 2, 1. So if you look at 1 John 2.1, it says, if I can find it, um, My little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And very explicitly, who is that advocate? Jesus Christ. So the Spirit's function is to provide us another helper now that Jesus is leading leaving to actually be the Jesus for us today. So there's like no distinction between the Spirit and Jesus. In fact Paul calls Jesus Paul Paul calls the Spirit the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ. Um, yeah, it's, uh, the presence of Christ. Romans eight verse nine. Nine. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do yeah. not belong to Christ. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit is really the presence of Christ uh, for us today. And there's more from First John in chapter 2 about this teaching mm-hmm. of all things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Read one verse here, 27. But the anointing which you have received of him, that would be the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. abideth in you. You have to receive it, and then it abides in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, the Holy Spirit teaches you of all things, and is truth, mm-hmm. and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. I mean, it's kind of a dumb question, but John, First John was written by John. By the same John as this John, yeah. Because he, he elaborates a lot of things in yeah. his later... Yeah, First John he's writing more to the church, um, to the specific church, so, yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else that we were, I mean, 
as you read this whole section that you go, hmm, or hearing it sort of speak to you, or? I think today um, the He Will Teach You All Things is applicable today through the Word. Uh-huh. Those who read the Word without the Spirit don't really understand. Yeah. Right? It's like going over their head, but with the, with the Spirit, God teaches us all things through His Word, even, even though it's it's written, sometimes <coughs> plainly written, or sometimes uh, there's deeper meanings that the Spirit can reveal to us. But, yeah. yeah, so how would you describe the difference between someone who reads the Bible without the Spirit, in other words, or not a believer, and they're like, well, I'm learning, I'm understanding this stuff, or I'm, I see what it says, versus someone who has the Spirit. What's the difference as to what the Word does? Usually, um, usually the way I hear it, and I've been a Christian since I was a kid, so I kind of don't remember not, you know, reading the Word and understanding, but, um, People will admit, like, I tried to read the Bible. I hear more often than not, I tried to hear read the Bible, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Right. I hear that all the time versus, I don't know, maybe, like, liberal theologians who are atheists that mm-hmm. pretend like they understand that they totally don't. You mm-hmm. can tell which mm-hmm. way they're right. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I think people will, like, readily admit that they don't understand, they don't understand the Bible. Um, without the Spirit of God. What would you guys say as far as the difference between the two? Like, if you're just reading the Bible versus you're reading the Bible and you have that Spirit that lives in you because you've accepted Jesus. You have faith in Jesus. What's the difference as to what this Word does? It's prophetic. It's prophetic. Okay, it's prophetic. If you're a believer, or if somebody's reading it in... It isn't a believer. Uh-huh. He, he's just reading it as a book. He's not reading it as God's word. So okay, I love what you just said there. So he's not reading it as God's word. So how would you describe someone who's reading it that reads? So what does it mean to read it as God's word? <laughs> Can I answer that by reading a Bible verse here? <laughs> sure. <laughs> this is uh, Romans chapter five. Uh huh. Therefore, having been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, justified by faith. So, the faith is the cornerstone that makes the difference that you're reading it coming from a position of already accepting Him as Christ, mm-hmm. and that's reinforcing your faith. But it's even more important as it goes on. Uh, through whom we also have access by faith into the grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And the most important part here is, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So we're sinners, Uh and the tribulation is part of the process that we learn to trust and be justified in the faith to walk the path. 
and it doesn't disappoint. So we're stuck being sinners, but through the trials of life and through the Holy Spirit as our helper, it keeps us on the path which we have to push against the whole time. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. So what I love, what he just did, I'm just sort of reflecting, stepping back. This is a function of the Spirit and the Word working together. Yeah. Because someone reading it like an atheist, okay, reading it, and I would ask them, now what does this mean? Would never answer like you just answered. You just read the Bible. You read these words on a page. Mm -hmm. But you didn't just read them like you'd read a book. You read them, and if you listen to you talking, you read them about yourself and us. (laughs) So it became, it's personal. You, that's when, so when Bruce says God's word versus just saying, oh, this is the Bible that I'm reading. This is, you know, this, this thing that Christians read. When we read it, we're reading it and we're going, this is God's word and this is to me and it's for me and I'm the one justified and I'm the one who's a sinner. I mean, you're, this is what God's word and the spirit do together is it gives you this relationship with Christ going, this is me. This is us. I think, I think us reading it versus somebody who's, you know, Uh We're more aspirational. We're more, we, we, our intentions are to be, to under, maybe to understand, I've said this before, our, our, to afflict ourselves to perfection. We, we, we understand how afflictions are going to better us in our hopes mm-hmm. for the ultimate goal for perfection, which, you know, but we're just, re, we're reading it and we're, we're, we're trying to make ourselves better people as opposed to just reading a nice piece of literature. Right. And being able to, you know, summarize it as... But I think that word faith is like that key part of Christus. Oh, That's the everything. key thing, yeah. is all of a sudden that faith, which is given to you by the Spirit, is saying, this is for you. This is God speaking to you. We're all, when I hear you guys read it, you're reading it as like, this is... I've written, this is for me. <laughs> like, like, like authoritative, authoritative for you. Yes, just exactly. Like, oh, this is yeah. a nice saying or something. Yeah, I mean, Jesus says, verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, which uh-huh. is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then 24 says, Who, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. Yeah. Right, so I guess and, that's the difference. And that's keep reading the there. Is, is, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So, So just listen to the personal nature of this. And my Father will love him. So if you keep this word, the living God loves you, all right? And we, Jesus, will come to you. The Father and Jesus will come to you, and we will make our home with you. You can't get much more personal than that. (laughs) I mean, he's here to be our God, and our Christ, and our Jesus, and our... You know, um, but you hear that personal nature said, I, w- I want to be inside you. I want to live in you. I want, you just hear that relational tone. What I hear him saying is, it's not all about you. Well, right. It's about him. <laughs> See, <laughs> and that's, that's, that's our pride. Uh-huh. And, and, and that's part of our sin nature is, is that we're so prideful 
and it's hard to put him on the throne all the time when we're doing it. Yeah. That's the struggle. Yeah. Anybody else have thoughts? Anything else you read in here that... I'll share. I was talking, <clears throat> we were talking to you earlier <clears throat> about my journey for the, <clears throat> the past few years has been one from an outward kind of a like intellectualism and like the things that I do versus being filled like what's inside of me coming out and it feels like it's much more as you described it like uh, like relational right and I think that's I think it's a really good just like, a, like the Holy Spirit allows me to have like a relationship. Versus just an intellectual understanding of like here are the words and the page, but now I have like I can enter into into yeah this like this thing that that lets me know God mm-hmm. in a way that I couldn't by just knowing knowing the words, reading the commands, following you know following six hundred thirteen commands or whatever it is. You got to get out of the way with your intellectualism. Well, well aware, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of us been. I know on that journey. <laughs> well, okay. um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a difference. Again, I read this and I go, "Do we really?" Well, like one of the functions of I would say maybe one of the primary functions of the spirit is to make what you're hearing these words real to you. Like when you hear Jesus say in 27, peace I leave you, my peace I give you, (laughs) not as the world gives you. I mean, look at the world today. (laughs) You look at all the crap that is going on. You look at, you know, you always think now is worse than it was 10 years ago. But you just listen to all the crap going on in the world. And I listen to Jesus and I go, I need to hear that for myself that his peace is with me, and that guess what? The world's not going to give it to me. <laughs> you know. And then he says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I, I got to say for me, like that's a part right now I just keep having to struggle with. I don't. I turn on the news for a few minutes and I go, uh, I'm troubled. Yeah. You know? Um, or we have people, you know, like, okay, what do I, when I talk to people, even among Christians, I'm not going to mention any politics or whatever because I could just blow things up or whatever. It's like, let's keep focus. He wants us to keep focused on him. Yes, and because the world's not going to give it to us. Yeah, but at the same time, what you just said is so true. But Satan, just as strongly, uh-huh. is trying to turn, you'll go, you get through reading and go, I just have to check out the news. And I'll check it, and sure enough, boom. It's just, there you go again. Yeah, and what did he say right there? He says it right there. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of the world is coming. Guess what? He's here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he's also getting us Christians really, like, wrapped up in that, too. Of just so it's a choice of which voice we listen to, isn't right. it? Right, exactly. Are we listening to this voice inside of us? But to do that, we also have, that's why what we're doing up here, we have to hear Jesus say this. I mean, I need to hear those words, like, over and over and over again. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that before, means I did not know that. You what? 
is that what that means in verse 30? Yeah, I would no longer talk much of the ruler of this world. That is Satan. That's Satan. That's Satan. That's why Paul in Galatians 1 says, We live today in the present evil age. It is an age ruled by Satan. The world system is ruled by Satan. Yeah. What are you, you going to say, Tom? Um. Kind of out of context now, but I'm just going to say that um, when we hear the Word of God read and discussed like this in a godly way with, with people in agreement that, that are in agreement in their faith, it's uh, so powerful and it's so rewarding, you know, against like the bad news, for example. Uh, if I wasn't just being for myself, if I'm just reading the Bible at bedtime and it's not audible and I'm not hearing others talk the Bible, it's much a fraction of the power that it has in here. And you can be an old guy like me, Bruce, and you know, we'd come in here year after year and you think, well, someone on the outside might go, well, don't you kind of get, isn't it kind of redundant or haven't you covered that? <coughs> Don't you get bored? <laughs> but you don't. You don't do you? Yes. You don't. Bored? No. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's not redundant. It gets richer. It's not really not redundant. It, it does get, get richer. richer. It's layered yeah. up. And, well, yeah. And we're in a different place. You know? I'm in a different place than I was five or ten years ago. But the one thing that's a common theme through the whole Bible is that we're told to go along once in a while. But our basic life should be with others. Yeah. I mean, in so many different ways, we're told to do things together, to yeah. join up with one another, to that, that, that. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's this. Eric and I have made a commitment to each other several years ago to get together, and some others have joined us. So, and I have found that it is made my life richer having another man to <coughs> have Marilyn to share that part of my life with yeah. but I needed a man to yeah. be able to be with yeah. that's good yeah. the whole thing Christ came to reestablish relationship mm-hmm. what you're talking about Tom is our relationship enriches all of us yeah yeah, yeah. Because we are in relationship. Yeah. And that's the power. So if, if you set a, a time from 7 to 8.30 and you read the Bible from 7 to 8.30 alone, that wouldn't have the power that you're talking about, that the relationship of each one of us feel in fellowship <coughs> together, all struggling with our problems and nuances together. And that's that's what he came for. Mm-hmm. And where two or three are gathered. Yeah. yeah. That's why I still think, I mean, I, you guys have heard these heads before, but I just, to me, this this Tuesday night is the gift that keeps, that keeps me going. Yeah. I mean, this is what keeps, personally for me, this is what keeps me going. 
I mean, I would just be glad. There's nothing else that keeps me going like this thing. This keeps me going because, and I, I never, I've told some of you guys this, but I never, I, I was, I, I was, um, we might have tested it just quickly. I, when I, um, was born here in Anaheim, I have one sister who's a year and a half younger than me, and I was been exceptionally close with my sister all my life. And because of that, I actually was around women a lot of times more than men. And I felt much more comfortable around women than I did around men. And my dad, who was Mr. Ma, he was a macho Marine. <laughs> and I did not turn out that way. Um, but then when I became a Christian and I started teaching, I was always teaching co-ed. I have never, ever taught a men's group, ever. And I would go to men's groups and I'd be like, oh, I do not feel comfortable here. <laughs> I was always going to be like in a co-ed situation. But I never experienced anything like what we have here. And I will still never forget when, when Jeff told me in 2015, he said, Greg, you want to start leading this? I was petrified, terrified, like, no, not me. No, I'll teach a co-ed class, but I do not want to be doing this. And yet, I look and I go, you guys, I mean, this is literally what Tom said. This is what keeps me going every single week. I just go... I have to be here next Tuesday, mm-hmm. you know, and for me to be here next Tuesday, so it just keeps me going, whether I, wherever I am and stuff. Um, so I think you're, you, you're, Tom's right, you're right, it's just, it's, it's synergy, this is a, one plus one is three. Yeah. <laughs> we hmm. get together. Yeah. Well, also, it shows uh, what we're talking about, how the, the word has power, and we were five minutes ago. The operative word is faith. Yeah. If you have faith, then the door is open. And the reason I think most of us are here, because there might be a searcher here who doesn't have the faith yet, and that's great. But the others of us who are here, we're, we came up the stairs. We got in the car. We came up the stairs because we have faith. Yeah. So that gives us access, or the Lord can now, the Holy Spirit can work <coughs> with that. Yeah. Well, I think if we are a bunch of secularists up here, and we're talking the same thing, the Holy Spirit would not be here. You know, he talks about peace. This is a safe place. We we accept everybody where everybody is, and there's no good, there's no bad, there's no judgment, because we're all in process. And it's a safe place to be in process. And that's... Nice feeling in this world. <laughs> Who do you trust in the world? Yeah. And so that's that's the Holy Spirit working in a dimension right. beyond anywhere that the world can understand. Yeah. I think that's what starts that you. I mean, everyone was talking about statistics these days, but the whole COVID situation, and everything. That so many people, so many Christians, who have left the church. And are just on their own by themselves. Yeah. And then you watch their faith just go, you know, because they're not with anybody else. They're spiritual, else. but not religious. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, um, yeah, sad anyway. Good night, you guys. Good, good, good discussions. Good questions. Good. <laughs> Brent, bring an answer to us next week. There is no so answer. Yeah. You got, you got a site <laughs> reference? That's one of my, one of my three questions. You know what? To go. 
What's your other two put, now? You pretty much I'm, I'm sure you've done three. I'm sure you've done this, but present it to God. I had it's my number three question. Yeah. Well, but present it to him now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what occurred to me? And if you don't give an answer right away, yeah. ask him again. Here's yeah. something to think about. When you asked that question, I yeah. thought, you know what? All of us are God's creation. And if he created them, he's, he's going to have something to take care of them that we'll never know about. Because they are his creation. And we don't know what that is, but because he created the heavens and the earth, he's not going to leave them alone. But we're, we don't know what that is because it's not written anywhere or anything yeah. else. So I find it hard for him to create them and then leave them stranded. I, I love that. Like, I think that's, that's where I land. It's like, our God is loving, our God is just. Mm-hmm. How? Mm-hmm. It's mystery. Well, our God is loving. Yeah, right. he just said fair, even. It's and fair. Like I, right? We don't got to understand that fairness but, but I think God's eyes. Yeah. 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 It's, the, that's the bottom line is life's not fair. You think about, you know, some Papua New Guinea island where they've never seen people before. Right. Generations after generations, there's that island off of, India. of India. Yeah, the one, that's what I was thinking of when yeah. you were talking. The and one that's never seen. What, happen, exactly the one. What, what happens to those yeah. people? Right. What happens exactly to their little kid that dies that, you know, yeah. Well, and we have a we have a tension there because on one hand I want to say, guess what, guys? We're going to read at the end of fifteen that the witness of the Spirit was given to us, so we can take that and be the witness and bear witness of Christ to the world, so those people in that island will know. We can never lose that compelling. The main thing we're supposed to be doing as Christians and with our faith is going and telling other people about Jesus. Has anybody knows anybody, any Christian ever done a, a physiology lensed study on on how people uh, know intrinsically right from wrong? Or has there been a, do you know of any books that have been written on that? Well, no, I mean, I know Romans 1 was written for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the people were born, were created in the image of God to be in relationship with God. Every person is created that way. So the, the study of epistemology yeah. does that. That's so how they know epistemology. Pistis. Um, is the study of uh, like how to know what you believe is true or to have true justified beliefs. So that's like the study of that particularly it's philosophy but yeah and then there there is in apologetics that is a the question you're asking is not an uncommon question I think it has it's related to why does God allow evil or those types of those types of questions that's interesting because that book you told me the book that you uh, Gregory Bland Gregory Bland he talks about that yeah. And his his argument is God is never allows uh, he's never not benevolent yeah. ever even if even if it seems so on the correct uh, on the surface from our surface. perspective from our perspective a surface reading or something correct. <laughs> but there's something more to the passage and it's too. pretty it's a pretty compelling yeah. argument ultimately it's, he sets everything up for. The resurrection of Christ. His intention is, is basically is he's going to let people sin in hopes that their sin uh, corrects their sin. 
right? Yeah, yeah, but, uh, yes, yeah. That's an interesting take. Yeah, yeah. Did, so that question is definitely addressed. Um, there is some scripture like you're talking about Romans. So while we were doing this, it was, it was like Romans one, Romans two, Romans eight. Romans that kind of talks about, uh, you know, Romans two says. And those who die, those who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. Those who sin under the law will be judged by the law. So, um, and other scriptures that say God will judge somebody based on what they know. Right. Yeah. But then there's, uh, you know, Romans 1 that says, like, God is plainly seen in creation. Right. But then in, in the Old Testament, it also talks about many people groups outside of the Jewish people that come to worship God at different times. It's like these random people, or even Melchizedek, he's such a mysterious character, but he's the king of Salem. He wasn't like the tribe, he wasn't part of the tribe. And Jesus is a, a, the king and high priest in the order of Melchizedek. But that person, Abraham, paid a tithe to. And uh, so there's a lot of characters in the Old Testament that know God, worship God. Even Job. Job's not a uh, Job's not a Jew. Job's not a Jew. And so there, there's a lot. There's So there is only one way. There's one way to heaven. Jesus. But there are many ways to Jesus, I think. And even um, there's, there's more and more on near-death experiences as well. Like people being presented with kind of the gospel in a near-death type of experience. So we don't know exactly how God communicates to these people or, or, or why, you know, I think your question also has, goes to why, why did God predestine whom he predestined or whom he predestined, whom he foreknew he also predestined. And, you know, so how does, how does that all work? Right. Cause it, it's within the same vein of what you're asking. Um, you know, because even if you have heard and you rejected, well, were you predestined to to reject, or what? And what what uh, responsibility do you have? Obviously, you have responsibility, even if you've heard and you've rejected. But um, you know, it's it's yeah, yeah. These, so, these, so these are angel questions. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these are within the same vein. Right. There's, there's, there, if you're interested, there's books. And I, <laughs> Yeah, one of my questions. Right, right, right. So there's, there's not that they necessarily lot. answer it, but what's, they tell you what's going to be. What the ways I deal with this? I can dig through some stuff I have and maybe point you in a direction. Yeah, we're going to say that answer. when I when I was a young teacher, I went to a conference and I saw the very first <coughs> metal dry erase board. It cost a jillion bucks. But I went, I went and bought 50 feet of board, six feet by 50 feet, and had it put all over my classroom. And so every Monday before school, I wrote on that whiteboard what my students needed to do, so they could never say to me, "I didn't know I needed to do that." <laughs> After I lost my house, I had several evenings where I spoke to God and said, would you please write on my whiteboard? But what I eventually came up with is that in heaven, 
Christ is going to give me a blank whiteboard. <laughs> so I'll be so interested in doing whatever I'm doing with him that I won't be asking these three questions that he needs to answer for me. I still don't know the answer. <laughs> so I, yeah. Well, we're going to so, put you at the front of the line to talk to Jesus and you let us know. Okay? I finally gave up on that kind of thinking. So. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, I'm going to write you. this one and carry it with me so he'll answer it first time we meet. All right. Well, thanks for the discussion, you guys. Good little run bounce. <laughs> All right. Well, Father, we just thank you for, the again, this evening. Just, um... So all of us come together and just seek you and uh, know that you do have these answers, which we just don't know. And that's a, I think that's where faith comes in. Also, that we just say, Lord, you are our Lord, and we trust that you are the one who's got this because we need you. And I just pray, Lord, for uh, as we leave tonight, uh, both at this week, for all of us, that you will meet us and speak to us and uh, maybe write on that whiteboard <laughs> for us that Dale's talking about. Um, and just, just watch over us. And I, I do pray also, give us opportunities that ultimately you've, caused, you've given us a mission to go out and be the ones who tell the world about you. And so I just pray that each one of us will have an opportunity to do that this week, Lord. And we will, through our faith, trust you to speak through us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, guys.